Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Another show here from South Florida called Poker Action Line. And uh, <laughs> we're headed toward the World Series of Poker, obviously, this summer. But still plenty of things happening. Lots to talk about tonight. Uh, we'll get to the social experiment, which was uh, on Saturday. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, also, I'd like to touch on this uh, stud strategy articles uh, from uh, Ashley Adams that we briefly mentioned last week. I still want to get... Uh, Ashley on the show, but uh, haven't been able to get a hold of him yet, so uh, we'll work on that. Uh, I did talk with uh, via email with uh, Dr. Tricia Cardner today, who is a uh, mindset coach, poker mindset coach, uh, has done a couple of books with Jonathan Little, and uh, she is uh, excited about being on the show. She's also a player as well. I didn't realize that till I uh, wrote back and forth today. She's been this will be her tenth year at the World Series of Poker, and I just Thought she was a like a psychiatrist that uh, that helped people with their mental side of their game. But being a player, I'm sure it gives her a special insight also as to, as to how to approach this. You know, for a while there, there was a big explosion of poker mindset people, including uh, Jared Tendler, who we've had on the show that uh, was great on the air. Uh, we had a really great show. There was a fellow named Sam Choen who uh, I don't know what's happened to him. He was very big for a while, and then all of a sudden just kind of disappeared from the game. So I haven't really heard his name uh, too much over the last couple of years. But, um, well, you know, he, it's a big part of the he game. May have a lot of, he may have a lot of clients that are just wanted to be very well, kept very maybe. private. I, you I, know? I think when a lot of stuff happened, not on Black Friday, uh, was after that, but... Uh, uh, somehow, I guess it didn't really pan out. Maybe went to something else. But talk about that a little bit, Joe. Uh, you know, when you go into the World Series, and we'll get into this in a couple of weeks, uh, Dr. Cardner is coming on in two weeks from tonight. No, okay. three weeks. Three weeks from tonight. So right, so it'll be right, right before right, the right series. Right on the cusp of the Absolutely. start of it. Right. Uh, and we'll work that out uh, to be on the program. But... Uh, you know, obviously, there's ups and downs in the game. The variance is incredible. Um... Many people don't have what it takes mentally to play the game of poker on that level because whether they don't have the patience, whether they get frustrated, uh, either waiting for the big hand or, um, you know, getting a bad beat that, that just absolutely crushes them, and then they're, they're useless after that. Talk a little bit about the mental game of poker and well, what you've seen. Well, Dave, what, what I've seen, what I've experienced myself and not at that level um, is the fact that, you know, there's such a wide range of different things that can go wrong. Right. You understand? And you have to have, you know, not, well, you have to have the mental fortitude to fight through this, but as we all know, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. And I would imagine that's why some of these people want to tell you. I mean, Dave, can you imagine having played perfect poker, Having played perfect poker throughout the whole series, only to have somebody one-out you, you know? And even if it doesn't knock you out, but it cripples your stack, how do you go about, how do you go about, you know, recovering from that, having that mind frame? A few years ago, I mentioned to you that, um, you know, I was so impressed the year that Joseph Chong 
got to the main event and final table and got there because he had lost a very hard hand with aces, um, you know, to pocket sevens, I believe it was, or sixes. And the guy pushed them all in. He, you know, it was a great call. And the guy caught runner, runner to catch a straight on him. You know, most people, their temperament would have probably put them on, on some form of tilt. And we didn't see that from Joseph Chang. And as a matter of fact, you know, he took it pretty gracefully from from what I remember and seeing in the show and then continued forward, then continued forward and, um, you know, was able to get to the final table and without making that big mistake when they were down three-handed would have met, would have had a great chance to that was one. that was the year he finished third exactly uh, to, to John so. Raisner and finished second and yeah uh, Raisner kind of got a walk into second place after he got into it with um, what was that gentleman's name from uh the one who won the, the main event that year was the the uh Demal that won that one uh, from Canada. You know, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, Jonathan Duhamel. <laughs> Jonathan Duhamel, excuse yeah. me, Duhamel. So that was a great, you know, that was a great match. That's a perfect example of how to keep your emotions intact. But as we all know, you know, the, the, that little thing called tilt and poker, you know, it all depends on how you want to attack that. Now you got to remember. Uh, Stacy was on our show talking about everything that happened. You know, uh, with Kasuf, right? Kasuf. And she was also talking about how do I, you know, at night getting to sleep. I mean, I'm 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 in the industry working it, and if I'm not even playing the excitement, my my makeup and and it's always been this way, whether as a player or as a worker in the casino industry, it takes me quite a while to kind of wind down to fall asleep. And when I've been when I was playing a lot, it took me even more because I'd finally would go to bed after an hour and a half, two hours of home, and more or less forcing myself. And I couldn't help but running hands through my head. And it was just so hard for me to fall asleep, to get, you know, to get that good sleep that you need. There's so many different things that you have to attack to try to be at your absolute best. And I can't imagine, I, I never thought I would say this, but I can't imagine that someone who, who can look at this from the outside, like, like a therapist or somebody, and knows the game of poker you know, can give you a, a, a view that you can't see. Much like when you ask your friends, hey, I played this hand this way, and you've got three or four top-notch, you know, poker buddies that, that play this. And they all, you know, give you a certain idea. Maybe two or three of them have the same way of attacking it that, that you did, but one of them says, hey, I think the best, you know, attack would have been this, and you never even thought about that. And then all of a sudden that kind of opens up your eyes and your thought process to hey, I've, I've got to look outside, I'm, I'm kind of tunnel visioning myself, and hopefully a therapist will help you do that to give you your, your best chance at winning the, the main I, event. I like that, tunnel visioning is a verb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Dr. Dr. Cardner will be on with us on uh, May 24th, about three weeks down the road, and uh, we'll talk about some of those things with her. She just uh, recently wrote in March an article about, about uh, setting goals uh, similar to the way that Daniel Negreanu approaches the game. So uh, she's uh, done some work with him and with Jonathan Little, and uh, we certainly want to hear from her in, uh, in preparation for the World Series of Poker. Uh, also, uh, along those same lines, as you mentioned, uh, you know, preparing yourself, one of the guys who uh, has been great on this show a couple of times talking about that was Bernard Lee. And Bernard will be on with us next week. Uh, as he celebrates his 10th anniversary of his radio show. So we'll get into some discussion about 
doing a poker radio show, uh, which we are familiar with, obviously, and uh, uh, also, uh, you know, allotting your time to your family and to your game and that sort of thing. And Bernard uh, really had some great ideas about uh, preparation for the series uh, that we'll touch on that as well. So uh, those are a couple of guests coming up uh, this week, next or this month, I should say, in the month of May, and uh, we'll have some fun with that. Also, uh, I want to get to tonight the uh, the social experiment. Uh, I can't let this go. I just think this is so cool for the game. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, probably in our next segment. And uh, if we have a chance, we'll get to the stud stuff with uh, uh, Ashley Adams. But uh, I do want to book him on the show, so we'll uh, tr- maybe try to get him on before we get too in-depth into that uh, topic. Uh, one of the other things that uh, came out this week was uh, an editorial on Poker News by Earl Burton, who is uh, one of my favorite writers, uh, does a great job, uh, and had an opinion piece about Solomon Ponte, who we had on the show maybe about, uh, let's see, it would be back in February. I did the interview with him at the World Series of Poker, and he's the hashtag king, uh, this guy that's... Uh, Really outrageous, and I, I think a lot of it's an act. I, uh, it, I, it seemed to me that when I talked to him personally, he was a pretty good guy when we did the interview on the show, and uh, he's gained a lot of publicity for some outrageous comments and and uh, constant uh, tweeting about uh, different issues. And uh, he played on the Poker Night in America uh, broadcast uh, in April, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, at the Chalk Talks Casino in Durant. And I want to mention this because uh, uh, the uh, editorial by uh, Earl Burton said, we don't need characters like this in poker. And we do need characters, but maybe not one that takes it this far. And I think a lot of it's an act, and and maybe he needs to tune tune it down a little bit. But uh, he played in this cash game, a $25, $50 cash game. Uh, The the minimum usual buy-in is about $5,000. And he pretty much insulted everybody on the show. So I don't know if uh, Poker Night in America fed off this and really wanted to uh, create some excitement, but he ripped uh, Sean Deeb, Doug Polk, and uh, really got pretty nasty. He insulted Deeb's wife, said uh, that he was an effing retard, that he'd rather be dead than be with your wife. Uh, he said Polk was one of the biggest bitches in poker. I mean, just some pretty outrageous statements you know, on the that, air. That, to me, is crossing a line. I don't care what you say about me once you start attacking my, my family right. members. And, you know, that's one thing is to get under somebody's skin and to get into their head and sort of, you know, try to get that mental edge when you when you got them off tilt off their game. But, you know, when you start making it personal... For me, you know, that's, that, the way you, the way I grew up in this day, you're, you're getting a beat down, or you're going to have to give one because somebody's coming after you. Right. Well, in this article, this editorial, which came out last Friday, um, he compares uh, some of the new characters in poker to people from the uh, old west, guys like Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp, uh, Wild Bill Hickok, who we mentioned last week in our uh, nicknames uh, segment. And, uh, you know, people, a little more modern people like uh, Tony G, who was, uh, did a lot on the big game and, and really has gotten away from poker. But uh, he's one of those guys. Jamie Gold in 2006 uh, was a little bit different. Havad Khan, who I uh, 
you know, kind of creative, some to, crazy yeah, he, stuff. They kind of wrote a rule about him about the celebrating, you know, which was to me way over the top at that time. But you know, who knows? These people might have been looking to get a, some sort of endorsement deal with the way with the way that they were acting, especially back then. Uh, one of the others, of course, is obviously William Kasuf, who uh, took it to a whole new level this past year. So, again, as I uh, wondered last year, when we see some of these things and guys are getting publicity, uh, you know, whether they're taking it too far or not, uh, are we going to see more copycats in the game? What's going to happen this year at the World Series of well, Poker? Well, let me tell you, the World Series of Poker, you know, stopped that really quickly with Havak Khan, if you remember. Yeah. That was what, like from 2007 How about the Italian kid that, uh, you know, that was running around the, the table? and uh, Exactly. You know, like these guys are doing now. excessive celebrating, and, and you know, uh, the WSOP has a way of, of policing themselves with that and, you know, instituting rules and, and, you know, that eventually will take care of that. And I'm sure they're going to have a William Kasuf rule for this, for this year's uh, main event and, and probably for all the different tournaments in there. Um, listen, we don't mind some of the colorful stuff. You, you know, it's funny when you see some of these things and, some, and you hear some of these things that these people say. I remember Matisau, Mike Matisau used to be, annoy the hell out of me. And it seems like it's uh, him and Helmuth. It almost seems like uh, that's kitty stuff now compared to some of the stuff that's being said out there and everything else, you know. Um, so, listen, we're always going to have characters like this in poker, especially when there's so much money and TV time to be out there. You're going to have these characters, and they're going to try to push that envelope as far as they can. And until either the TVs, you know, people, the tournament people, you know, people in charge, the room, push back and tell them, look, this is what you're going to do, or, or you're not going to be allowed to play here. You know, that's as far as they will go. Well, Ponte is from uh, Toronto, and he did win a, a big tournament. Uh, I, guess, I guess it was a... I don't remember if it was a circuit event or a, a WPT. I should have that here, but... Um, you know, he won, and that was really uh, his interview after the program with, uh, I think it was Janine Deeb did the interview, and he talked about how he knew he was going to win and how right. great he was. You can remember that. It was yes, back, I back do. At the, in late the fall last year. So that was the first time we saw Ponte, and then he uh, he had another pretty deep run in another van. I talked to him at the at the uh, WSOP circuit event at Palm Beach, and uh, and. In a very short time, he got on a lot of these programs because he had a big promoted mouth. himself. He promoted himself. Yeah. He had a big mouth. He was controversial. Now he, uh, you know, the, the, in this article, uh, Burton says that uh, really it was up to the uh, Poker Night in America people, Night in America people, that they should have put a kibosh on the actions before they got out of hand. Uh, but they said the problem was that Ponte doesn't really care because he bragged about getting thrown out, ejected from the Choctaw Casino later on. And, uh, you know, uh, we've we got to draw the line between poker entertainment and uh, really what's right in dealing with people at the table because it's not good for the game. Yeah, and Poker Night in America, you know, <laughs> if their ratings go up, if social media, you know, with today's social media, you're getting an immediate response as to this person's actions. And... If they see that turning into advertisement dollars because there's going to be a you know a larger audience watching this, they're going to let them go on with this. Right. You understand? Once it starts affecting people's bottom line, that's you know that's when they will eventually do something about it and rather quickly. But you know, 
ever since Black Friday, you know, the, 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 the TV money that was there for advertising with all these online sites had dried up. So, you know, anything that, that allows us to, in any way, you know, to come back, whether it's through this gentleman's uh, negativity comments and just insulting the hell out of everybody, like I said, if if it's drawing uh, a crowd positive or negative for him, it doesn't matter. If it's drawing a crowd, they're going to let him continue his show. Yeah. As soon as as soon as it starts affecting, you know, uh, really negative, you know, where advertisers don't want to be on that show anymore. You'll see how quickly they put there, how, how quickly they get them out of there. Well, we know Havad Khan basically disappeared after exactly. that one year. Exactly. Uh, We're going to find out what the story is, is with Kasuf very exactly, soon. Exactly. I'm very you curious know. to see what happens with him this year and what happens with Ponte. I mean, now, you know, and I'll he, be honest with you, you know, hearing what Ponte said and what Kasuf did, you know, Give me Kasuf any time. Yeah. You know, he wasn't insulting people's Not uh, a nasty family. person. He wasn't, right. He, he was just a, more of an annoying person. That's what Kasuf was. He, he knew he was getting under people's skin, and he continued it to his, to his poker advantage, and, and it actually did work. You know, he pulled that one great move on Stacy. Uh, you know. And other than that, everything else that I saw was pretty solid poker play, you know. And the thing was, he was getting under everybody's nerves, including my own, watching him. Right. I mean, I, I watched him get knocked out only because I knew he was going to get knocked out with that hand, and I wanted to see his reaction. But as I've said before on this show, you know, my brother loved him. My brother loved him, and I'm sure William Kasuf had, you know, thousands if not millions of people that loved his style of poker playing and people that were more annoyed with, uh, you know, with the quote snobbishness of the other poker players who were complaining about it it's just for me having played poker for such a long time you know tanking and thinking about it and knowing that a hand that should be folded immediately you're taking a minute and a half is to me one of the biggest annoyances of playing poker and and i would imagine that list right up there in the top two for most poker players well, there are positive things happening out there. We'll get to Kevin Hart, the comedian, who uh, is really starting to expand his uh, place in poker. Uh, I did want to mention before our first break, though, a uh, big tournament coming up out in Los Angeles before the World Series of Poker leads right up to the early days of the World Series. Uh, so probably will attract some uh, some Europeans and that sort of thing a little bit early. But uh, it's uh, called the WPT 500, and it's at the Gardens Casino in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, we all well know about uh, the, the bike and uh, uh, the commerce and all that. But this is at the Gardens in uh, Los Angeles. And it is a $1 million guaranteed tournament with 14 Day one sessions. Oh, wow. <laughs> What's the buy-in? The buy-in is, let's see, the buy-in. Must be very low. Yeah, 565. Okay. 565 with a million dollars. So it means you need, what is it, 2000, a little, about 2,000 players. players. Which it should be no problem. Over so you're 14. looking at 14 day ones. You're right. looking at a little over, what, about 150, 140-something players right, per, right. per per. per Day one, all right. Well, they, uh, in the 14 uh, day ones, the first one is May 21st, and it's the 21st through the 29th will be uh, one a day for the first five days, for the first four days uh, at 11 a.m. Then they'll add 
an extra session, including a turbo at 5 o'clock on days May 25th through the 29th. So uh, day two is on the 30th, and then the final table will be live-streamed on May 31st. But kind of looking forward to seeing how that goes over. Uh, It always seems when we try these new things... Uh, if it works, let's make it even bigger, and that seems to be the case here. It's just 14 days. It's just such a long. 14. I, would, I mean, 14 sessions. sessions. I would imagine it's over a course over of nine a week. Days. Over oh, nine, nine days. days. Yeah. I figured they'd run two sessions for a week long. Yeah. The first, the first four days are just one session, and then two a day, one at 11, and then a turbo at five. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess the the thought there is. Do you choose to go at 11, or or do you you have a better shot at the turbo session to advance? Uh, I have no idea. I, I'm not a big fan of turbos, you know, depending on what the chip count is there. It, you know, it, it all matters what suits your style of play, I yeah, guess. Absolutely. Anyway, a lot of stuff going on in Europe right now, including uh, stuff over at Monte Carlo in Amsterdam. The uh, Poker Stars Championship WPT Monte Dam Swing is going on right now. And then uh, starting this weekend will be Amsterdam's uh, Deep Stacks event. So uh, stuff coming in there and obviously uh, kind of some last-minute things. But they're always, the poker world always trying to uh, invite Europeans to come a little bit early. So this maybe is an event that gets them to the States a little bit early. Yeah, let's hope so. When is the classes starting? Is it in June or at the end of uh, May? It's in June. So right after, the, shortly yeah. after the finals of this one. Right. Anyway, uh, we'll get to Kevin Hart, we'll get to uh, Social Experiment, and we'll get to a couple other things, including what you mentioned, one line that you uh, were talking about, things that can go wrong. So many things can go wrong. Well, just all you've got to do is look at the state legislature in Florida, and and you'll have your answer there. (laughs) We'll get to that. Uh, That all crumbled down yesterday, and we'll talk about that a bit as well. But let's take our first break on the show. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Uh, you can always find us on our website uh, and pick us up at earlier shows and, and go back into the archives. Of course, we're on iTunes. You can find the shows there. SoundCloud is a great place now to find to find the show. You can go to Hold'em Radio Network at hold'emradio.com where they have a good uh, time slot for us each week, and we appreciate that. The Poker Fuse podcast page is another place. Stitcher Radio, any place you get your pod. Well, not any place, but most of the places you can get your podcasts. Uh, you can look for Poker Action Line and hear the show. So we'll take our first break. We'll be back with more of the show when we return here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Hello, and welcome to today's lottery drawing. Good luck. And here's today's winning numbers. First one up, it's not yours. Second one, not yours. And another number that's... Not yours. Okay, this is one number that's yours. It's a five, but you don't get any money for that. And the final number is not yours. Yep, so chances are you're not going to hit the lottery anytime soon. Don't get us wrong. The lottery can be fun every now and then. Just please don't rely on it for your future savings. How about this? Brew your own coffee at home instead of buying that latte every day. Brown bag it to work instead of ordering in. 
Ride your bike instead of buying all that gas. These changes alone can save you thousands a year. Thousands. Small changes today, big bucks tomorrow. Feed that piggy bank. Go to feedthepig.org for more free ideas on how to save. Feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the program. Big Dave and Joe talking poker here. And uh, let's get to a little local poker because uh, they had a big tournament over at the Isle Casino. He went over there Monday night, talked to uh, Maurice Hawkins. They had a 12-way shop in this uh, $100,000 event. Uh, Dmitry Agranov uh, was declared the winner. And I didn't know any of the players there. I got there with about uh, maybe about 15 players left including Maurice, who was really the big name there at the tournament. And uh, he went out in 13th place. He had a pretty good stack going. He looked like he was uh, going to roll to another victory. And, of course, uh, you know, he just won his 10th circuit ring. We talked about that last week. And uh, then since then, he finished two final tables at uh, Harris Cherokee in in that series. So he's just lighting up the WSOP circuit, comes back, plays a local event, uh, and this was a smaller one, I think 350 buy-in. But uh, uh, again, you know, some of these big-name local guys are, have done well in these tournaments. The Grinder just won a big tournament over at the Hard Rock, and so I thought Maurice uh, was headed for another victory, but he got knocked out with Ace King against Pocket Queens, and uh, the classic race. Yeah, the the Queens, uh, the Queen came on the flop, so all of a sudden it's over pretty quick. <laughs> and it did knock him out, but it knocked him way down, and he was out a couple of hands later. Anyway, I got a chance to talk to him. I want to play this interview uh, with him as we talk about a couple of local things. But uh, just to mention that uh, you know the the local places do have some pretty big tournaments, not huge. You know, not like their regular uh, battles at the beach and the Florida State Poker Championship, but uh, the Isle has a one big one a month. Uh, Hard Rock has several big things, including they're coming up with a uh, uh, deep stacks uh, event. Uh, not a deep stacks event, but a deep stack. They're calling it the deep stack series. So uh, that's one of the things here as well. So, um, again, um, we do get a chance to talk to some of these guys, but it's kind of funny because he went out in 13th place then, Immediately, they, they end up they chop, made the chopping. Deal. Yeah. I mean, they played for a little while longer, but uh, that was the big obstacle. Maurice isn't going to be chopping with 12 guys. I know that for sure. So uh, let's hear what Maurice had to say. We talked to him, uh, tried to get a few comments out of him. He was not in a good mood and uh, probably not one of the better interviews either he or I have done, but uh, did want to hear from him and see what was on his mind here uh, as he's had a great year and he's headed to the World Series this summer. At the Isle Casino, a uh, big tournament here at the end of April with Maurice Hawkins, who's been on about a year, year and a half heater, I would call it. Uh, not, the, not the most luck uh, today. You got uh, coolered out on a little one that dropped you down. But tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, this past year and a half and what it's been like for you. It's just pretty much uh, trying to stay consistent and uh, focus on every tournament I play, no matter if it's a 365 or a 1K. Um, that's pretty much the gist of how I feel about it. There was all these big tournaments, obviously, with the WPT, and then right after that, the Grinder won one over at the Hard Rock for about forty grand. And now I see you, uh, you know, coming back from the circuit and uh, making a deep run here. Uh, it doesn't really matter if it's a huge buy-in tournament or not, does it? No, it's just all about um, basically always winning. <laughs> that's all I ever want to do is win, no matter what. 
win, win, win. Well, 10 career circuit rings now is an amazing accomplishment. Uh, do you just feel like you're uh, going for the home run title and just want to keep being number one in that list? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I love the accolades that come with success, but, I mean, I'm getting tired of traveling so much, but it is what it is. It's what I chose to do, so I have to buckle down and stay focused. I saw the family cruise by a little bit uh, ago, and a uh, beautiful family, so uh, that kind of takes the sting out of uh, getting knocked out of an event like this. Yeah, it also makes you want to stay at home a lot more because uh, family <laughs> is what matters most. So, What about this summer? What's the plan for uh, Vegas? you going to go out there a lot or, or no? Play Pretty much play every No Limit they have, except for the 10K heads up. Will you go out and uh, spend seven weeks out there, or will you go back and forth? I know you don't like being away from the family that long. No, they come out with me. I'll be there for about 50, uh, 50 days and 50 okay. nights. Yeah. So that's the gist of what it is. And uh, lots of stories about how great the cash games are and stuff. Do you spend a lot of time doing that, or is it just bracelets right now? Uh, just bracelets. I won't be playing any cash games. Maybe some sitting goes and just relaxing pretty much. Okay. you got plenty of hardware for the fingers. You need one for the wrists now. Yeah, I'll eventually get that, <laughs> if not a lot. I'm probably going to have a breakout summer, but we'll see what happens. I think so. I mean, uh, you talk about consistency. You just came off, uh, you know, that huge year last year where you won back-to-back -back tournaments on the circuit. Then this year, the 10th ring at Council Bluffs. Now you come back in Cherokee. you got two final tables there as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's a roll of uh, amazing proportions in, in my mind. Yeah, but I haven't done what I'm going to do, so we'll see what happens. I mean, still the best is yet to come. Yeah, that's for sure. No matter what. Okay. Uh, good luck to you. I know it's uh, it's a big summer ahead of you, and uh, you know whether people write you up or not, I think you're always fun to talk to as far as uh, you know saying what you think and uh, and and really not caring what people think about you, really. Yeah, I, I can give zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good luck to you, man. That's Maurice Hawkins. Uh, he finished 13th, so, you know, it's... Uh, Something tells me that might have been edited a little bit. At well, the very it end wasn't. He, he stopped himself, <laughs> and I'm glad he did. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, they did have a 12-way chop, and it was uh, ICM. So I know uh, Gronoff won 20,000-plus. Uh, uh, a smaller tournament uh, locally here, but uh, certainly something that uh, keeps things going and keeps the action going yeah, at, the, it, at know, the tables. It, it's nice to see that the Isle does that because, you know, we, we, we've always known the Isle to be, they, they were the pioneer in bringing out a big tournament here in South Florida until the, the Hard Rock decided <laughs> they they wanted the, the showcase pretty much to themselves here. And um, I don't know about you, Dave, but I think it's a smart move that the Isle has kind of gone away from having those, you know, the showcase tournaments because in the past either the Hard Rock or Coconut Creek, uh, you know, has decided to go heads up against them, if not for the whole amount of the tournament time, at least a, strong, a major part of it. And, you know, it's been great for the poker players because there's been a lot of overlays, but eventually if the room doesn't start making money, you start losing those tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. There was also a big tournament over at the Hard Rock. Pretty big tournament. I guess uh, everything's relative now, but their big slick promotion uh, for April uh, was $1,100 buy-in. A.J. Gambino won it there, 39K, uh, and a seat to the SHR uh, Poker Open in, uh, later in August. Uh, T.K. Miles was finished second. He was uh, defeated head-to-head -head by Gambino, 
And I did want to mention uh, the grinder did play in that and finished 10th. And uh, a good friend of ours, Michael Tate, who has uh, filled in for Joe a few times uh, co-hosting the show, finished 11th. So uh, they both made uh, $3,400. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, it's $1,100 tournament, so that's not a huge windfall or anything like that. But against a pretty quality field, uh, nice to see Michael doing well. Good for him. Michael Tate. Uh, we always see the grinder doing well, I guess. But uh, uh, certainly uh, a lot of fun there. There's also a deep stack series coming up at the Seminole Hard Rock uh, starting May 18th and finishes up uh, late in the month, May 29th. So everybody kind of getting their last tournaments in here uh, before. They also had, uh, by the way, and I want to mention this, uh, last weekend at the Hard Rock, they had $1,000 high hands with rollovers uh, from 2 p.m. to midnight. So that's a pretty extensive promotion, obviously. Yeah, it's nice. You know, it, it keeps their rooms filled, uh, making sure that that people aren't going to their competitors down here. But, uh you know, uh, they've they've got the pockets to be able to offer that, and if I'm not mistaken, that was a rollover uh, promotion for yeah. the high hand. I don't know exactly what their qualifiers are, but if it wasn't hit in an hour, then obviously the second hour it's two thousand. So the people know they're going to give away what is it ten thousand dollars in those high hands between two and twelve at that time frame. If I'm if, you know if I'm not right. mistaken and. Um, it's great for the players down here. I'm telling you, poker players around the country have to be jealous at the amount of money that that that, that we give it down here in South Florida for high hands. It's you just don't see that anywhere else. So uh, let's hope that continues, you know, and, and it doesn't affect some of the rooms down here as I thought it would many years ago. And uh, the other thing that I want to talk about here in South Florida has to do with the Seminoles and everything. We were wondering what was going to happen in the legislature. Well, on Tuesday. Uh, those differences between the Senate and the House bill were just way too big to overcome, and the whole deal I, just I, came crumbling down. Dave, as soon as you mentioned, uh, what was it, about a month or so ago on, a, on the program, that you know they had both come out with bills and they were heading in completely opposite directions, I knew right then and there that that, that was going to be done, that there was no way that you were going to get a, a compact that both houses would agree on. Well, the 60-day session, we had, uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago when they were, we were at 30 days, we were saying nothing has happened yet, and we didn't think it was really going to. Well, it didn't. Uh, they uh, declared it an impasse uh, uh, yesterday, on Tuesday, and uh, Friday, uh, this coming Friday, is the end of the session. So they just basically just punted once again, as we uh, thought they might, uh, so no Seminole Compact, which affects future business. Seminoles continue to move forward with their improvements uh, to the whole Paradise area out there. Uh, this big slick tournament uh, was going to be one of the last major tournaments in the old poker room till they move over to the uh, the new one, I guess, probably in June, early June. So, uh, you know, the, the whole problem really was based on this uh, attempt for people to add slots in some of the other counties that had voted for by referendum. Yeah, well, you know, the the Senate bill uh, would have allowed for the counties that the voters in those counties have already voted for and have have voiced their opinion that they want slot machines in in their paramutuals there. uh, And the House bill, you know, was not going to allow them that. They were going to stand firm on, hey, you know, the state of Florida already voted and the only two counties that were allowed to have slot machines were... Miami Dade and Broward, and we, you know we don't care what the other voters have. Uh, 
their kind of end game around that was to say, well, why don't we have another referendum, you know, have another statewide vote to see if every county can vote individually as to whether they want, uh, you know, slot machines in their paramutuals. So uh, it's, you know, par for the course as far as I'm concerned. Like I've said many times on this show, you know, the you, you really can't count much on the Florida legislature to, to help your business to come out with a clear cut. You know, everybody has their own special interest for right, right. whatever reason. I'm not going to, you know, judge somebody or accuse somebody of whatever, but, you know, everybody has their own reasons for it. And for some reason, this state never seems to get it together and and, and have both houses uh, head in the right in the same direction. Yeah. Very rare. Well, the other thing it means is that there's not going to be any decoupling in the immediate future. It, it probably will happen somewhere down the road. But uh, that means we'll have dog racing and high lie still for a little while longer uh, as that uh, holds in uh, without a decoupling bill. Uh, also... Uh, there is going to be stuff happening because the legislator, legislature can't get their job done. Uh, it's going to be left now to the courts. Uh, there are several uh, gaming cases that are uh, coming up before the Florida Supreme Court, and uh, they're going to rule on what happens up in Gadsden County, which is the Grenton track, which had the uh, barrel racing. Uh, they are working really hard to try to get uh, slot machines up there. Well, you, you know what, Dave? Actually, maybe the state of Florida, the the the, the politicians have said, you know what, we're going to come out looking bad one way or the other. Let's let the courts decide this, and then and then we hang our hats on saying, hey, well, listen, uh, the courts have ruled on this, so we're just acting upon it. Yeah. And and maybe we can get expansion that way. I guess. Yeah. Let's. Politicians have done that for many, 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 yeah. many, many years. Yeah. Uh, also, the big loser probably is Genting, which is the Malaysian company that bought the Herald Land and wanted to put this uh, destination casino. There was a lot of talk that there was going to be one destination casino in Miami-Dade. Uh, still uh, faced some obstacles and that sort of thing. But whether they were going to get it or the Sands or whoever was going to get it was certainly would would make things wide open as far as uh, some interesting things. Of course, the Seminoles uh, fought that tooth and nail because they didn't want that kind of competition locally oh, here. So I would have done the same yeah, exact thing if I was the Seminoles. But the funny thing is there was, because of the mention that there might be a uh, Miami-Dade uh, casino interest coming uh, on, a, on a huge level, the Miami Beach, uh, the city of Miami Beach, actually has moved now to uh, to ban... Uh, having casinos on the beach. So that's a huge thing there. It's any, uh, it's the ban on casinos or any other kind of gambling facility, and they're fast-tracking that through Miami Beach City Hall. And uh, they had a vote, a 6 nothing vote, against uh, any sort of casinos added to uh, the beach, and they don't need to put it on the beach. But, you know, of course, that's the obvious place to really have something that would be explosive. Listen, if you, if you ask people around the country where, you know, where would they think of the first casino in the state of Florida would be, most of them would say, you know, South Beach, Miami Beach, you know, we're all thinking it, you know, it's gonna, it would probably be the Fountain Blue, you know. Uh, well, that was the one place that that was definitely interesting. I mean, that's the, ever since the first vote for casinos here in the state of Florida back in the early '80s. That's where I always thought they would they'd put a casino. But um, you know, uh, as as we discussed before the start of the show, it would definitely create some traffic nightmares if they were able yeah. to ever put casinos in there. Just 
you know, the, the logistics the, there would the just would area. just not allow for the amount of traffic that would be wanting to go in there on first of all every weekend. Not a ma- not to even mention the, the weeknights. Right. Well, if they've even put it on the beach, I mean, can you imagine some of the traffic? How yeah, I listen. I, bad I, enough it's, now. I've been through there when it's been brutal just for Halloween, where it's taken an hour and a half to move a mile and a half there. So, but let's face it, everybody wants their own. Wants to keep their piece of the pie. Art Basel had a big uh, speaker come forward and talk it down, and and anything that's uh, had been pretty successful at drawing crowds and that sort of thing doesn't want to share it with a with a destination casino. No, especially you know you don't want people. Quote the big argument that these people have is leaving all their money at the casino and not having any to spend at your at their right. event. So well, we'll see. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was Kevin Hart, uh, who we saw played in uh, a couple of tournaments uh, down at uh, uh, the Bahamas, the PCA Championship in the Bahamas, which is now called the Poker Stars Championship Bahamas. That was back in January. Uh, he also went to Monaco and played in uh, in the Monte Carlo Casino event there for Poker Stars. He is a, a Affiliated himself with Poker Stars and Daniel Negreanu, who's a team pro for them, and uh, he says he wants to make poker fun again. Uh, sounds a little familiar, but uh, wants to make poker fun again. Yeah, he said the the things have gotten away <laughs> from the fun of poker, and that's the social experiment uh, was uh, along those lines as well. Uh, you know, bringing people closer together and sitting down at the table, engaging in conversation, getting to know each other, and uh, building relationships uh, was the thing he wanted to do. Of course, he says, I love to live, love, and laugh, and I want to bring this energy to the game of poker. So um, he's going to be playing in some things. He played in the 100,000-euro in the uh, high, super high roller and even made day two. So he's obviously a pretty good player, but he's going to get together and uh, do some stuff. He's had a, a big cash game history with uh, Dan Bilzerian and Jean-Robert Balland and some of those people out in Los Angeles. He's also going to be, uh, they're taping uh, at the Monte Carlo, they, they did tape a game, a cash game, uh, with uh, Negranu, Liv Bori, Faraz Jaka, Charlie Carroll, and uh, a couple others. So, uh, uh, again, he's starting to put his name out there as far as a, a poker devotee, and he's going to be playing at the World Series, I'm sure, this summer. Uh, his comment was, I want to be the Eddie Murphy to uh, Negranu's Nick Nolte. I want to be the Chris Tucker to his Jackie Chan. And he says, uh, Negranu's been doing it for years. I want to help him do what he's been doing, but on a higher level. So kind of interesting thing. Yeah. Well, that would be nice if Kevin Hart gets involved and gets more people interested in poker. Yeah. Anyway, uh, when we come back, we'll tell you what happened at the social experiment, which was on Saturday, and uh, we'll finish things up when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we hope you'll stick around for the end of the show. Uh, Coming up next week, Bernard Lee will be on the program, and in in three weeks we'll have uh, Dr. Tricia Cardiner, so certainly looking forward to some fun things on the show. And, of course, uh, they'll have the uh, press conference for the World Series of Poker, which will uh, let you know what's happening this year as well. All this stuff still to come over the next few weeks, but we'll be back with tonight's show to finish things up when we return here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. 
The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack, and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday, Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because you usually meant... We did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. Saturday was the uh, social experiment, the early uh, uh, tournament. I think it was event number two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, California State Poker Championship, the creation again of Matt Savage that we talked a lot about uh, when he was down here and also several other things. But... uh, that was on Saturday. It was a small tournament, 350 buy-in. And uh, they banned the use of electronic devices at the table, uh, sunglasses, headphones, and hoods. Good. And we uh, we love the idea. Um, of course, Matt Savage uh, worked on it with his tournament coordinator, Justin Hammer. And uh, there was a really – he talks about some of the uh, – obstacles in getting this done it's not like something you can just solve said hey we're going to do it and boom 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 you got to check things out for for example um you got to check the legality of it you know are you allowed to ban people from wearing these things at the table um you know certain things that you can and can't do you can wear this you can't wear that so they ran it past their lawyer and they had some guidelines they had to follow uh they had to train their dealers and their floor people on how to enforce these rules which could also, as you know, uh, for something brand new, be a problem. People don't like change, you said, you said during the break. Exactly. Anytime, anytime any kind of change is introduced, forget about poker, into anything. People are kind of afraid they're going to lose some sort of liberties. They're going to lose something in the changes. And, you know, the biggest one for me was always been smoking in the casinos. Right. They thought this would kill poker. And, you know, I'm one of those guilty ones that thought, you know, poker would, would have a slow death with that. And, the, the, you know, the complete opposite has happened. It, it's helped the sport grow. 
And guess what, Dave? You and I grew up playing poker similar to the way these people wanted this tournament to be run. Exactly. You know, it was, it when, was, when we had a home game played with quarters you, and stuff like that, you know, I mean, you, it was to have fun. And yeah, and, and even when even when I remember going the first time to a casino to play poker, you know, it was, hey, hi, how you doing? You, you kind of said hello to complete strangers at the table. And, you know, before you knew it, you were talking to the guy sitting to your right or to your left, and you were having, like you said, it was, it was, it was not only were you gambling for some money, but you were having a, a good time. It, it was a social outing more so than, than a poker thing, and it made it a lot of fun for me back then, at least learning the game, and maybe this is what we need to bring new blood into the game. Well, some of the reaction, and I, I followed it pretty closely because I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, comments like, uh, I wish all tournaments were like this. Uh, people said, uh, we need more of the same. This is how it should be. You know, those are some of the written comments when people read about it. Uh, not necessarily they weren't there, but, uh, uh, you know, it certainly was uh, fun. There was also a couple of uh, comments that I thought were uh, interesting. Uh, one guy said, I would prefer no slow rolls, no angle shoots, and no nits. Uh, I don't mind hoodies, earphones, or... or uh, Telephones. Yeah, well, you know, this is someone. <laughs> I'd love to get the age of these people, but yeah, there's a lot of different things that that go on now in poker that we didn't grow up with. But you can't fix everything of it. the The game has gone forward and changed. But you know, bringing back a little bit of that that social aspect of the game, I think is a great idea. And and I would imagine that eighty to eighty five percent of these people that played in this tournament really enjoyed this and for the people who are 35 and younger yeah. maybe even 40 and younger have never experienced anything like this because by the time they got into poker we were already you know in the format that we've been seeing recently. Well, they said that the tournament did skew a little bit older uh you know a lot of players over 40 as you mentioned and uh someone even uh na- with a nasty comment said uh, yeah that was a seniors tournament well, but, hey, uh, hey, you know, what can you say? You've got idiots out there that are always going to make some sort of a comment or another. But, you know, hey, you don't like it, don't play in that tournament. That's all. But uh, pretty much uh, one of the interesting things I heard was that uh, a guy who did play the event said uh, it, was a, it was a bunch of friends that of all ages, different and friendlier. People talked to each other. There was a lot less tanking and stalling and almost no ridiculous stare downs. He says. Now, 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 let me ask you something, Dave. As opposed to what the experience is that, you know, in the tournaments outside of the social experiment, you know, which first-time players do you think are more apt to come back and play in oh, another yeah, tournament and come into the like casino? This. The people from the social, you know, social experiment because they had a good time, win or lose. I'm sure they had a very good time. Right. It was an enjoyable time. Let's put it that way. I mean, not a good time, but an enjoyable time. You didn't have that that pressure, that nastiness that goes on with, with most of these tournaments today, you know, to whatever extent it is. And one guy said, uh, I agree with everything except the sunglasses and hoodies part. He said, how does that affect anything besides making it harder to read people, which adds to the game? What do you mean, that the, he would have preferred they have the sunglasses and hoodies because yeah. people can't get a read off of him? He, he said he didn't think it was right to outlaw those two things. He said the phones and the social, you know, the, Once uh, again, it's uh, what you feel comfortable sort of with, you know. But I guarantee you, if everybody played like this, you'd figure out a different way of doing this. These are, you know, in the, in the old days, the, the exact same emotions that you feel today, people had, you know, 
30 years ago, 20-plus years ago, and you figure out a way to get around that or one to of, use it to your advantage. One of the big-name players, uh, Valentin Vornicu, uh, drove up from San Diego to play in the event, said he thought it was a great idea, and he said he wished they would do it in every series. Uh, he said the reason people were there, though, it was a great structure, and uh, he said normally if it was just a regular 350 with 10,000 chips, I don't think there'd been more than 100 people. But with a triple stack, one rebuy, I like that. The structure is perfect, he says. Uh, some of the other people, the interesting thing, by the way, the numbers, here's the numbers on the tournament. Uh, 350 was the buy-in, prize pool guarantee of 100K, and they needed 334 players to meet the guarantee. They ended up with 511. Okay. Which is pretty interesting and So uh, they got they got fifty percent more than what they needed for the right, for the guarantee. Right. But the interesting thing also, uh there were players there like Bruce Buffer, uh the uh, UFC ring announcer. He played and he said he did love the idea and noticed a difference in the crowd. He said uh, the conversations were pleasant and people were making jokes. He said the average age was probably forty, so it did eliminate some of the younger players that looked at it and said, I don't want to play. All right, so what's wrong with that? Right. You understand? And, and if again, as they said, if the structure was correct with this, guess what? You keep running it like this, sooner or later you will start attracting the younger guys. You're going to start getting the mid-30s to the early 30s, and before you know it, the 20 years old. They don't want to play in it, then don't play in it. But I'm sure this is an extremely enjoyable experience for most of those 500 people that entered this. There were some negative comments. Uh, Aaron Queskin, who uh, was a finalist on the WPT in the past, said that uh, he thought it would be a once-a-year, once one-hit wonder. Uh, he said, I keep reaching for my phone. It's not in front of me. He said, uh, you know, I run three businesses. For me, it's a fun gimmick, but as a lifestyle, we're used to the technology as part of our makeup at this point and then don't see it changing. Uh, another lady says that she does a lot of business there in, uh, on Facebook. Uh, in this day and age, and that she needs to have her phone and or tablet there to do then, business. Then at this the is table. in your tournament for you, right. folks. This right. is very plain and simple. I, when people complain about what's on TV or on the radio, change the damn channel. So if you can't live without your phone, your tablet for whatever the duration is of this tournament is, then don't enter it. Right. You know, think about it as a little as a little vacation from your normal style of poker. Hey, I'm going to put everything away. All I'm going to do is concentrate on poker. You know, if if that's not for you, don't enter this damn tournament. Yeah. But I, I think that if they keep pr producing these at, at different venues and at different things, at least one tournament like this, you're going to see this tournament, the, the numbers constantly grow. That I can't believe that, that, that it would go in the opposite direction. Uh, Matt Savage, what did he think? Well, he was a little bit measured. Uh, he did, thought it was a success, as uh, obviously the numbers uh, stacked out. But he says, I think we'll do this again at some point, but I'm not sure when. Uh, probably not in the next series, maybe later this year or during the LAPC, uh, you know, next January. It definitely has a different feel to it. Seems like the players are enjoying it. I think there'll be a time and place for this event again, and I'm happy we tried it out. I hope he holds to his guns there and just says, "Hey, let's go ahead and do this." I I, I believe that people will look forward to playing this tournament, and you know, again, a lot of the comments were so positive that they had a great time. And yeah, I understand you run a business, but if you run a business and maybe there's not the tournament you need to be playing in today. Yeah, and maybe you can't force people to have fun, but certainly 
uh, a few attempts at trying to recover uh, the glory days of uh, past uh, poker action before everything got so cutthroat and nasty and degenerated exactly. into some you know, angry uh, people playing at the table. And, and we're talking about what are people going to do because of the nastiness, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show with uh, Solomon, with whatever that... Ponte, uh, right? Mon- Ponte, yeah. So, you know... Uh, that was handled quite differently in my days, Dave. <laughs> yeah. You said something. You, you, you were getting your, your block knocked off uh, back then. You, you didn't have to worry about the casino uh, enforcing anything. You, you got your ass handed to you on a platter. Well, one of the things they keep track of on the Hendon Mob is uh, searches for poker players. And obviously the big names uh, are, are there pretty much every week. Negreanu, Dan Coleman, Seidel. Uh, Jason Mercier, Phil Ivey, those kind of people are up there on the list every week. Uh, but over the last couple of weeks, there's been a new name on the list. Can you imagine who that would be? Would, would that be uh, our boy that we just mentioned right now? No. Or would it be Kasuf because of no. the World Series coming up? Someone completely uh, uh, incredible that uh, you would never think of. David Dow, who was the gentleman who was dragged off the United flight. Oh, yes, because he plays poker, the doctor poker, who plays poker. And had a couple of uh, big tournaments in the past. He was uh, up over something like 1,300% in searches or something like that. I, not that he ever had many before, but uh, he's cashed for over 265000 in tournaments over the years. He had a runner-up finish in 2009 at Terrace Tunica in the main event and uh, has played, you know, in some big tournaments back then. He hasn't uh, really – he's a 69-year-old physician. Who just got a private settlement yeah. from, from them? So we yeah. don't know how much that is, but well, should might. be enough for a good buy-in somewhere along yeah, the line. Yeah, I would say that he might be playing this summer. <laughs> uh, also, our friend Maurice Hawkins. That uh, was right after he had won his circuit ring at uh, Council Bluffs. Uh, was jumped way up. So that's uh, kind oh, of Maurice should. I mean, he just had a, he just had an incredible run over the last few years, Absolutely. and you know, winning ten circuit rings. Being number one all time now yeah. with his tenth one, he became the all time leader in that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm surprised he doesn't have a major backer yet. Yeah. You know, his style of play has to be something you got to consider. You know, even after Council Bluff, two final tables, thirteenth in this last one here at the Isle. You know that that man is always contending for the title. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the other things I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks, and we'll mention it with Bernard next week and probably uh, with uh, Dr. Cardner uh, on the 24th as we head to uh, the World Series. Is the World Series is not the only thing happening out there in Las Vegas during the, se- during the seven weeks that they are no. running action. Of course, the cash games and all the other stuff there in the Rio are great yeah. as well. But a lot of big tournaments uh, that we'll be talking about a little bit here and there. The Venetian has one called Deep Stack Extravaganza. Uh, you have the uh, the Aria hosting Aria. the uh, big uh, uh, WPT 500 that we talked about beforehand. And then the Super High Roller should be during that event out there, too. Golden Nugget has a great series. Binion's uh, has some action out there. So uh, people go out there, and it's nice to get away from the Rio occasionally. Yeah, well, listen, they've all been quite successful over the last few years. That just tells you how many poker players are in Vegas at that time. That's impressive and and, and mind-boggling to think of, you know, these other hotels, other venues having very successful and large turnout tournaments while the WSOP is running. Uh, Also, Planet Hollywood has one called the Goliath Famous Poker Series. 
uh, Bellagio Cup will be back for the 13th year this year uh, at the Bellagio. And the Wynn has uh, an event called the Wynn Summer Classic. So all those places are really uh, gearing up as well to try to take some of the business away from the Aria. I mean, obviously, the you know the World Series is king, but uh, there's plenty of stuff to do out there. So yep. uh, people can make their plans, and we'll get to some of that over the next couple of weeks. Yes, sir. Okay, that's going to about do it for tonight's program. Uh, again, Bernard Lee will talk about his 10th anniversary and a few things next week. Uh, Joe's lining up some uh, big questions that he's going to work on this week. And uh, I, of course, will always enjoy talking to Bernard and got the chance to meet him, as I mentioned last week on the program. So uh, certainly looking forward to that as well. And uh, we'll work on seeing if we can get Ashley Adams on the show, talk a little stud strategy as we head toward the World Series as well. Danny Negranu says the future of the game is mixed games. And, uh, you know, I don't think he could be more right about that. So uh, certainly a lot of stuff happening here in the next few weeks. Well, listen, uh, we weren't going to discuss seven card stud tonight, but as always, you know, we get we'll kind get of full that. with a lot of things. I'd like to and have him on to talk about it. To be I'd honest. love so to we'll see, see seven card that. stud make a, a little bit of a comeback when when that was the the game that we mo- that you and I mostly grew up with. Right. So, but yeah, the mixed games, it's you got to change it up a little bit, try to become a if 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 uh, a jack of all trades if if not a master of one <laughs> so right. let's that, see what that happens. Uh, deep stack extravaganza at the venetian has a lot of uh, omaha eight or better tournaments uh, big o and that sort of thing so uh, certainly uh, we'll talk about some of that as we move into the summer anyway that's going to do it for tonight's show joe thank you as well uh, as uh, geo who uh, always gets the show on for us and does a great job. We appreciate it as well. We'll be back next week with Bernard Lee. Uh, Have a great week, everybody, at the tables, and we'll talk to you then. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.